welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So if you haven't figured it out, God is up to something. Um, if, you, if you've never been a, a part of revival services, welcome to revival services. I, we didn't call a revival. I just sense that God is up to something. And I just know this, there are only two places, this is not part of my sermon, so this is for free. Uh, there are only two places you can be in revival. One is in and one is out. Um, and you've got to make up your mind. You need to make up your mind before you get here. Um, if, if we have to convince you that we're having revival when you get here, you're too late. I hope you're preparing in the car. I hope you're preparing on Saturday night. You can't miss this. I'm, I'm telling you, we, uh, we're right on the brink. We're right on the brink. And the way that we've always done church, nothing wrong with it. It's just that it's not enough right now. Um, after coming out of what we've come out of, we've got to have more. And so I just encourage you, don't miss. Prepare. Pray up. Get ready. Um, I lied to you. I said this Sunday was going to be the last Sunday of Slugfest, and then on the plane, I always reserve the right to do what God says to do, all right? And on the plane, uh, I'd already prepped this message and gotten ready thinking this was the last one. It's not. We're going to stay in it next week, too. Um, and so we're going to just continue to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. God is up to something. Why would we want to change? Why would we want to not be a part of this um, some of y'all are messed up. Some of y'all have got issues. Some of y'all got problems. And, and, and we just can't come in here and play church like you've always played church. Come on now. Some of y'all are dealing with some junk. Y'all, there's junk coming out right now. We've, Julie and I were talking about this. We've received two phone calls or emails or stuff. I don't even know. I, 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 she's got some. I got one this week. And it's just like, come on, man. Now the stuff coming out. When stuff starts coming out, you stay in, right? You stay in what God is doing so that stuff will come out. And so I just believe that God is working on us, and I encourage you to be a part of it and to be prepped for it. Uh, so we talked about the fact that we need to fix the fight in us. That, that's really what God is trying to do right now. He's trying to get us to fight again, amen? And uh, some of y'all have been sitting on the sidelines too long. It's time to fight. We talked about finding your fight song, that you need a song that will carry you through the dark night, that it's your war cry, that it confuses the enemy. Last week, we talked about the fact that we have a cut man. It's not that we don't get cut. It's just we know where to turn when we do. Some of y'all bleeding bad right now. That's all right. We got a great cut man. He can restore you and heal you and set you free. Just because you felt the pain doesn't mean that you have to be formed by the pain. Dog, I'm going to say that one more time. Just because you felt some pain doesn't mean you have to be formed by that pain, right? We got a good cut man that walks right in. Right about the time I think everything I've been through is going to form me and shape me, going to cause me to be bitter, cause me to have a bad attitude, cause me to hate some folks, cause me to dislike some folks, my cut man walks in and says, look, you felt it, but you don't have to be formed by it. I'll just heal that right there so that you can move on into wholeness. Anybody feeling what I'm feeling this morning? Amen. So, so there are a couple of of greats that share a trait that other fighters don't share. Uh, probably the two most well-known champions that, uh, that share this trait. The other fighters fear this trait. A couple champions that had this trait that scared people. One was one of my favorites. I don't know why he's my favorite. I just liked him. He was Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Y'all remember him? Y'all old folks remember him like me? Uh, the, a newer one is uh, Manny Pacquiao. They would be the most known champions that share this trait. This is the trait they share. They're southpaws. 
So some of you have no clue because you don't follow boxing and you didn't know nothing about no MMA. Uh, you're still wondering what we're talking about when we say MMA. Uh, we'll just leave you in the dark because it's too late. All right, that, that, that bus already left the, the station, all right? So uh, uh, Southpaw means they're left-handed. Um, they, they fought left-handed. Uh, this caused a problem for the fighters they, be, they faced because it was like fighting in a mirror. It's unusual. Come here, Drew. How many picking Drew in this fight right now? I don't, you don't underestimate. Dynamite comes in small, tiny, little bitty packages. Okay, so he's right-handed. He is fighting right-handed. If I'm fighting right-handed, we mirror one another, right? So, so th this is simple. I want to stay away from that. That's his power hand, right? That's his power hand right there. So I want to stay away from that. So I circle away from it. The problem is, is that when you face somebody left-handed, it's a mirror. So now this is my power hand. So now if he does what he would normally do, which is move to my right hand, he moves. Now he, he's, he's used to it. He moves and all of a sudden, I'm on land, the power hand. So it messed everything up. Now, here's something else interesting. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, who is left-handed, learned how to fight orthodox, right? So now, when he needed to, he would switch this way, and his power hand was his lead hand. Messed everything up. In the, thank you, Drew. I didn't want to beat you too bad, so I let you off easy. So, so, so it was such a struggle that in uh, times past, it was even common for, for Orthodox fighters to uh, simply refuse to face left-handed fighters because it messed them up so bad. Uh, it's interesting. There was a recent study done of over 13,800 professional boxers and MMA artists that had varying levels of ability. They're, they're, they weren't all the best. They, they chose guys that were mediocre. They chose guys that weren't, weren't that great. And, and what they discovered is there's evidence that those that are left-handed have a greater fighting success than those that aren't. Those that were left-handed have a greater chance of winning, 54% of a chance of winning just because they're left-handed because they were hard to adjust to, because the right-handed fighter was caught off guard. So I just stopped by on this Sunday morning at what I thought was going to be the last week of Slugfest, but it's not, to encourage you to fight left-handed. Okay, some of y'all lost. You're like, man, you have lost me. Okay, let me see if I can explain. Join me in Genesis chapter 35. Um, those of you that have been with us uh, for a while, should know this passage because I preached a series. I, I'm not going to preach that same message. I just want to remind you, I, I preached a series years ago called Switched. And uh, I read this passage right here. Let me read it to you, and then I'll just refresh your memory. Uh, Genesis chapter 35, beginning of verse 16. Leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on towards Ephrath. Uh, but Rachel went into labor while they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense. And after a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, Don't be afraid. You have another son. Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath, she named the baby Ben-Onai, which means son of my sorrow. The baby's father, however, 
if you got any preaching, you can put, man, I preached the dog out of this. If y'all hadn't heard that, y'all need to go back and listen. Uh, however, the, 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 the father stepped in and called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So I don't have time to re-preach that message, so here are the highlights. Rachel is about to die. In her dying breath, she, mark, she tries to mark her son with her pain. And she says, his name is going to be Ben-Oni, son of my sorrow. Some of y'all been marked by some other people's pain, and you've carried it way too long. But let me just remind you of the outcome of this story, because your father has stepped in and said, wait a minute. Hold on just a second. Pause for the cause, because I know that they are not son of my sorrow. They're the son of my right hand. And Jacob steps in and changes his name to Benjamin. Son of my right hand. Literally what's taking place is Jacob is positioning Benjamin at the place of power, the place of favor. In, in Israelite customs of the day, the right hand symbolizes authority and position and power and, and all this favor. And Jacob stands in and steps in and says, this is the son of my right hand. Well, this is the son of my strength. It's a place of favor and honor. The right hand, the right hand, the right hand, the right hand. The right hand. Benjamin becomes the namesake of one of the tribes of Israel. In fact, um, his tribe is noted in the ranks of Israelite warriors. They are noted to be fighting men. In fact, one of the ways they're described is the tip of the spear. The tribe of Benjamin would equate to the modern-day Marines. First in. Come on, stay with me. I see some of y'all checking out on me. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. Uh, did you know that the Israelis right now, when uh, a man or a woman, because every man and every woman has to serve in, serve in armed forces, when they are inducted into the army, they literally, the, the, the cry that they scream out loud together during their induction ceremony is this, Behind you, O Benjamin, son of my right hand, fighting men par excellence, uh, sent first into the battle, the, the, the son of my right hand. Now, you can make this statement about their fighting ability, but you can also make this statement. It was a literal statement. What, what, what you've got to understand is that they were predominantly right-handed. Anyone who wasn't right-handed was considered handicapped or odd. Being left-handed in the culture is symbolic for being on the outside of what is culturally acceptable or the social norm for leadership in ancient Israel. In other words, left-handed folks, southpaws, were special. Not, okay, come on now. Work with me this morning. They're special. Y'all have used that before. They're so special. That is not, that is not a, that's like, that's like the Christian way of saying bless their little heart. You know, it's not, it's like they're, they're just a little bit odd. They're just a little bit, they're special. This is like, okay, y'all are, y'all are going to help me. So, so, so let's, let me read the text and see if I can help you. Judges chapter 3. We're going to read verse 12 through 23. Then we're going to fast forward to verse 27. And I hope this is going to help us today. 
Judges chapter 3, verse 12. Once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, and the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their evil. Eglon enlisted the Ammonites and the Amalekites as allies, and then he went out and he defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Gera. Listen, a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to King Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long, and he strapped it. Look, to his right thigh. Keeping it hidden under his clothing, he brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat. I love, y'all, man, the Bible is so cool. Y'all been missing out. Y'all ought to read the Bible. There's some cool, it even gets better. Okay, um, so, so, the, so Eglon was very fat, and after delivering the payment, Ehud started home with the others who had helped him carry the tribute. But when Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back. He came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. So the king commanded his servants, be quiet, and he sent them all out of the room. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in a cool upstairs room, and Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And as King Eglon rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger strapped to his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. And the dagger went so deep the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. So Ehud did not pull out the dagger. And the king's okay, this is I'm I'm not and the king's bowels emptied. Y'all need to go read this in all kinds of versions. It gets really interesting. Then Ehud closed and locked the doors of the room and escaped down the, the, the latrine. Okay, verse 27. Then he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, and Ehud sounded a call to arms. And then he led a band of Israelites down from the hills. Follow me, he said, for the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your enemy. So they followed him, and the Israelites took control of the shallow crossing of the Jordan River across from Moab, preventing anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moabites and killed about 10,000 of their strongest and most able-bodied warriors. Not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day, and there was peace in the land for 80 years. Side note. I need to point out a, pa a part of this story that we skip. Because the other part's so fun and interesting, unless you're Eglon. Um, but it says, it says in this passage that God strengthens. One version says this way, God strengthens Eglon. The version I read to you says that God gave Eglon control. So just as a side note, uh, I just need to stop for just a second and I make, make this statement. God makes their enemy stronger. That, that messed some of our theology. He's for me, not against me. I'm more than a conqueror. And now all of a sudden, he, he, he makes the enemy 
stronger. I just want to help some of you in the season that some of you are in right now. Can I tell you that some of you are facing what seems like what seems like you're going through that that you're going through long-term fruitlessness, you're going through long-term sickness, some of you are going through long-term addiction, some of you are going through long-term brokenness, some of you are dealing with long-term pain, some of you are dealing with long-term being overwhelmed. And I just wanted you to know that I'm just trying to help you. There are times when God will make your enemy, allow your enemy to get stronger. Well, thanks a lot, Pastor Steve. I was with you. I was so encouraged until you didn't let me finish. I got some. let Let me finish. There are times when God will allow your enemies to get stronger so that your your victory is more unlikely and more inspiring. Eglon dominates Israel for 18 years. Notice what happens. He grows fat off of feeding himself on Israel's fruitfulness. Some of the things that that you are facing in this very moment are growing fat off of you. They are feeding off of you. But hang on just a second. The Lord may be allowing that thing, that person, that challenge to gain strength, but it is a setup. He is simply setting up a victory for you that will be more jaw-dropping, more surprising, and more unlikely. Hang on just a moment because while the enemy of your soul seems to be getting fat, you're getting furious. While the enemy of your soul seems to be getting fat, seems to be gaining weight on your your dime, you're gaining muscle. While the enemy of your soul seems to be getting stronger and relaxing and thinking that you're defeated, you are simply gaining experience on how to better fight. It's all a setup. It's a, it's, is there anyone in the room, is there anyone in the room who can say, like I can say, that, that, that when I've been going through some stuff for a long time, that even though I've been going through it a long time, I'm confident that when it's all said and done, I'm still going to win. Anybody else got that testimony? Anybody else can testify with me this morning? It may seem like my enemy's getting stronger. It may seem like God's allowing him to grow fat, but just hang on just a minute. If I just hang on, if I just don't give up, I recognize that what the enemy meant for harm, every weapon that formed, it doesn't say there won't be a weapon formed against me. He said that when the weapon is formed against me, it will not prosper. It hurts. It may be hurting for a season. I'm mourning for joy will come in the morning. I just got to hang on because I recognize that my day's coming. Okay, so, so, so I, won't, I won't retell the story, but I need to point out the main character. Ehud is got a funky name anyway, Ehud. Who, who, nobody go out of here and name your kid Ehud. I don't know if we got any pregnancies in the room, but please don't. Okay, Ehud is an anomaly. He is a left-handed man from the tribe of Benjamin. He's a left-handed man from the tribe of the son of my right hand. He's odd. 
He, he, he is considered a handicapped man. He's a man that doesn't fit in. I also want you to pay attention how he gained or how he gains the victory and how he wins this. The Bible says that he fashions a one-foot sword, uh, a dagger, if you will, and he straps it to his right thigh. Some commentaries say that he strapped it to the inside of his right thigh and he hit it with his clothing. I want you to notice what happens. He marches, they send him to take the tribute money to Eglon. There's guards at the door. They let him in. Come on now. Think. The guards didn't know that Ehud was left-handed. They thought he was pro- they probably thought he was right-handed like everybody else. Everybody else's sword was on their left thigh so that you could reach across with your right hand and draw it. So I, the, the ancient, ancient metal detectors started beeping. And they disarm all the right-handed men because they know to look on their left thigh. But they never think to look on Ehud's right thigh. His disadvantage becomes his advantage. Okay, so Ehud gains the trust of Eglon, and when he approaches him, he reaches across his body with his left hand, and he draws the sword off his right thigh, and he kills Eglon. And then I want you to notice, and then we're going to break this down real quick. I want you to notice what Scripture says. It says that Ehud leaves Eglon dead. He escapes down the why can't I say? He goes down the toilet, all right? I can't say latrine for some reason. And he rallies, I don't know what that's about. And he rallies the Israelites, and they throw off 18 years of captivity and control, and then they experience 80 years of peace. I want to tell you this morning that we need to learn to fight left-handed. Ehud was an unexpected hero. He was so overlooked that Eglon and his men trusted him alone with the king. Or in other words, they saw him as no threat. Is there anybody with me this morning? Are y'all just, okay, I just want to make sure. I'm not going to pull on you if you're listening. But it would help if I knew you were listening. Okay. Uh, So the enemy sees Ehud as no threat. Can I tell you something this morning? For some of you sitting in this room, because you don't fit in, because you don't fit the mold of what everybody else in the room fits, the enemy overlooks you and is convinced that you aren't a threat. The enemy has been beating up on you so long, had control over you so long, has been just destroyed, has kept you in captivity so long, has kept you manageable for so long that the enemy doesn't even see you as a threat. Perhaps this morning that the enemy no longer sees you as a contender but rather sees you as a pretender. He no longer sees you as anything but a defeated foe. But I came to encourage you that just because he sees you that way does not make that the truth. 
He wants you to see yourself as a victim. I'm tired of Christians seeing themselves as the victim. I, I just, I, listen, I'm not saying you ain't been through some stuff. I'm not saying that nobody's ever done you wrong. I'm not saying that, that, the, that the life hasn't been, I'm not saying that you weren't dealt a bad hand. I'm not saying that, that you haven't suffered tears. I'm not saying that you haven't gone through some stuff. But can I tell you this morning that you cannot see yourself as a victim. The enemy wants you to see yourself as a victim so that you will not be a threat to dethrone him. The truth of the matter is that unbeknownst to the enemy, you may just be left-handed. You are uniquely prepared by God to win an unexpected, unanticipated victory. We, we, we've got to learn that our limitations never limit God. Say that one more time, because I see Christians walking here week after week saying that you're the God of the impossible. We just don't believe it. We sing you, nothing is impossible with you, but we don't live like it. Uh, but you, you, can, you can part seas. You can bring manna from heaven. You can heal bodies for everybody else. But because of what I've been through, what I've been through, it makes what you can do impossible. God is never limited by our limitations. Some of us won't get in the fight simply because you don't feel like you're qualified. You don't think you're as strong as somebody else, that you're as gifted as somebody else. But God has a role for you to play. Some of you, right in this very moment, if you were honest with me, would say, Pastor Steve, I feel awkward. I feel restless. I, I, I feel different. I, 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 feel, I feel like I don't fit in. I am, I am the, the epitome of the square peg in the round hole. I can't seem to fit in. I can't get in to fit in, right? I just want to encourage you this morning. You aren't supposed to fit in. You're supposed to stand out. And it could just be that everything you've been through and all the pain that you've endured and all the times that somebody did you wrong and all the times that somebody lied about you and all the times that somebody betrayed you was just proving this point. You're left-handed. You're just left-handed. You're just left-handed. You, 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 your awkwardness, your unsettledness, your restlessness is simply an indication that God has made you left-handed. And can I tell you this morning that you will feel out of place until you get to the season when God will reveal why he made you left-handed in the beginning. I got some right-handed in the folk, right-handed folks on service this morning that are freaking out. They're like, I'm right-handed, bro. Leave me alone. I know you're right-handed physically, but spiritually. Come on now, work with me. See, you've been you've been you've been hidden on purpose, but you've also been hidden long enough. It's time to fight left-handed. What you have seen and other has seen, other people have seen as brokenness. What other people have looked at you as and said that's a weakness. What other people look at you and say that disqualifies them is really just a means for you to do great things. Okay, okay you say, well, I don't believe you. Well, Moses stuttered. Jacob, come on now. Jacob was the second born. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Gideon is full of fear. Uh, Samson is undisciplined. Oh, y'all ain't going to like this one. because Jesus was uncomely. I'm just reading scripture. You know what that means? He didn't look good. He'd have, ne he'd have never been on Glamour magazine. Come on now. The, the disciples, the Bible says they were unlearned. You know what's going on here? 
left-handed folks winning some of the most incredible victories recorded in Scripture. Why? Just because it's unlikely doesn't mean it's impossible. So, so it was unlikely that a stutterer was a deliverer, but it, oh, lo and behold, it was unlikely that, that a teenage boy could kill a trained and armed giant. It was unlikely that a group of 12 disciples unlearned could change the world. It is unlikely that somebody like you could lead a revival. It's unlikely that somebody like you could cause a change to happen in your household. It's unlikely that somebody like you could cause a windfall financially that would set the course of your family for generations to come. It's unlikely that people like you could do something that's impossible. But just because it's unlikely doesn't mean it's impossible. Perhaps the, you just need to embrace the fact that you're a southpaw on purpose. Maybe, maybe you can't sing like the ones on the stage. Maybe you can't command an audience's attention. But perhaps you don't get, perhaps you don't get accolades and applause. But can I just tell you this morning that unnoticed does not equal unnecessary. Fight left-handed. Embrace your uniqueness. You say, well, why? why? Why should I not play the victim? Why should I just accept what God has done in my life? Why should I come out and fight different? Why, why can't I be like everybody else? Why can't, I, why can't I be like them? I like their gift. Why can't I have their gift? Why, 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 why me, God? Why? Because... A left hand, when a left-handed wins, it gets others in. Can, can I show you? Come on, worship team. The Bible says this, Ehud, the left-handed one, the overlooked one, the unexpected one, the unlikely one, wins one victory. Y'all do realize that there are champions in the Bible that win multiple victories, right? I like those guys. Like, I like Samson's story. He, he kills Philistines on one day, and then he kills more Philistines on another day, and then he kills more Philistines. I like that story. I like the fact that David was killing, like, because, I mean, I'm not into killing, but you, you know what I'm saying. I just like the fact that he, he always won. I, I like the fact that he... But Ehud only wins... One fight. One. One victory. One. One bout. And then out of that victory, he's able to rally the nation of Israel and they throw off captivity and enjoy peace and enjoy peace for the next 80 years. One victory can inspire others to join. The fight. Let me say it like this. When God uses you, come on now, not if, when. When God uses you, the unlikely one, the overlooked one, the unnoticed one, when God uses you, I believe that it can cause others to get in the fight. So then I must ask you this question. The crux of the whole message that I, I worked a whole message to get you to this one question. I got to ask you this question because this is the, the question. 
Who would win if you would win? Your one win, your one victory, your one one fight can lead others to not only shake themselves awake, but to join the fight and win a, a rousing victory. So, so, so who would believe that they could win if you would win? Who would believe that they could get free from drugs and alcohol if you would get free of your addiction? Who in your family would walk into their own freedom if you would show that you could win? Who would win if you win? Come on, folks. I got some parents sitting in the room that you're watching your kids struggle with the same things you struggled with. And the reason they're struggling with what you struggled with is because they've never seen you win over what they're going through. But if you would win. Some of y'all got kids dealing with, with alcohol, depression, and anxiety because they've watched you battle it all your life and they've never been able to see you come out on top and win. Who would win? If you would win. Some of you sitting here this morning, I just, I just came by to tell you that your kids can go free. All they need to go free is to watch you go free. Because when they saw you go free, when they see you go free, they go, you know what? He beat it, she beat it, I can beat it. I can't get no help. Some of y'all, some of y'all, some of y'all have some generational curses on your family. And it's perpetuated year after year, generation after generation. And somebody's got to stand up. I, 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 just, I just need to tell you, I got a champion in the room. He's, a, uh, he's my dad. My dad, his dad left him when they were young. My mom is a champion in the room because her father walked out on them. Therefore, they could, they could say, well, hey, it happened to them, happened to me. I'm going to let that happen. To, no, they stepped up and said, not, not on my watch, not on my watch. I'll just stay. I'll just stay. I'll walk this thing out. Because they won, I can win. Because they stayed faithful to one another, I can stay faithful to my wife. Because they set the pattern. Who would win if you would win? Who who on your row? Some of y'all said by folks that aren't your natural family, but they're your spiritual family. Who on your role that you sit with week after week, week after week, week after week, that they're going through bondage, they're going through brokenness, they feel sick, they feel tired, they don't think they can win because every Sunday you get here, you go, man, I feel sick and I feel tired and I feel overwhelmed and I almost didn't make it through and I just barely got here this Sunday morning and I don't feel like worshiping and I don't feel like calling on the name of God. But uh, lo and behold, on May the 7th, on 2021 I showed up on a Sunday morning and I threw my hands in the air and when I won I put my foot down and said never again devil I'm not overwhelmed I'm more than a conqueror I'm more than able and I marched myself into victory I marched myself into victory and I looked over my shoulder and my roommate and my children and my husband and my wife followed me into victory could I get somebody in the house to make the declaration that if nobody else is going to win, I'm going to win. And then I'll let others follow me into victory. 
I will win. I may be awkward. I may be unlikely. I may be unexpected. I may be totally out of the loop. But God can use me to win over what I didn't think I could win. Father, in Jesus' name. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.